So, well, good morning, church. It's good to be here. We want to welcome you. And uh, depending on how things go or not, it, this week depends on whether we unload the truck or we just hop in the truck and keep going, right? No. <laughs> if you saw the truck out there, it's still loaded. That was a joke. The truck is still loaded. Um, and so uh, hopefully, Lord willing, maybe by the end of the week we'll be able to close. But we are here, okay? We're here. And uh, so it's a blessing to be here. Thank you. And uh, so still in suitcases if my shirt's a little wrinkled, you know, I'm sorry. And I'm just too lazy to, to get out there. And I'm talking about being lazy this morning. Of all things, Paul talks about being lazy. Too lazy to get out and iron it. Uh, so if it's a little too wrinkled, I'm sorry. I pulled it out of the suitcase um, and put it on. And so we'll just see. I was hoping, you know, throughout the day it would kind of straighten out as the morning went on, you know. Um, but uh, it adds a little character to it, right? Uh, but uh, So we're in First Thessalonians. And uh, we do have potluck. I want to welcome everyone right after church uh, to come down and fellowship and enjoy that time together. Uh, and so uh, we'll have some announcements kind of at the end. But why don't we just jump right into the Word? How about that? We'll go to First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 16 is where uh, we'll be uh, reading uh, and where we're picking up. Um, we have this week and next week, and then we'll kind of be finished with the study through Thessalonians, unless somehow we get... You know, we start spending a lot of time and we have to keep breaking it out. I have a tendency to do that. When I was pastoring in Missouri, uh, we had a Sunday night series on the book of Proverbs. And so I started going through the book of Proverbs. And uh, literally kids were growing up in the church, going off to college. We had kids who went off to college and came back. And they were, and, and they were like, Pastor Joe, you're still in Proverbs. It's been like six years. You're still in the book of Proverbs. I'm like, yeah, because these people just don't get it. You know, it's like... We would just go verse by verse by verse by verse through the book of Proverbs. But it was funny because there were people having, you know, literally grew up in the church, getting married in the church, college, all that, coming back and starting families. And we were still in the book of Proverbs. So I have a kind of a tendency to really spend a lot of time sometimes on some passages. But we'll try not to do that this morning, okay? So 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 16, it says this. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Uh, some will say idle, those who are lazy or idle. Some versions will also say in disruptive, who cause issues. Encourage those who are timid or disheartened. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. And so we're going to pray and ask God to bless his word this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter that Paul wrote. Uh, to a church, a church just like this church, um, a group of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, uh, those who put their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, and we're striving to be followers of you and to be your disciples. 
Just like we here at Red Hills, we are your followers and we strive to follow Christ and to, to be all that you've called us to be. We pray that you would bless as we look at and study really kind of the, the final words of, of Paul to this church. His final instructions that he gives at the end of this letter that he writes. I pray that, that Lord, uh, it would help us. It would strengthen this body. And that we would see, Lord, the importance of, of really the things that Paul addresses here at the end of this letter. I pray you bless your word this morning. May your Holy Spirit move and work in our lives. And I pray that we would truly be receptive. That we would be receptive to what you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Great letter. Great book. As we've been studying this for quite a few weeks now. And Paul writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And what's interesting is it was referred to earlier, even at the very beginning of this letter, he kind of referred to this church as a model church, like this was a good church. It was a thriving church. Remember, Paul uh, had to leave town, and they were only there for about three weeks or so. And Paul had to leave town, but he was worried about them, so he sends Timothy back. And Timothy goes back to check up on the church. And when, when Paul gets word from Timothy, he finds out that the church was thriving and the church was doing well. And, and really, it is a model church. But what I want you to understand and what I want you to see this morning, as we just really focus in primarily on this passage this morning, is that Paul is addressing some things in this church. If you recall a, a number of weeks back when I had preached uh, the last time I was here, he talked to the church. He commended them, but then he also challenged them. He said, hey, you're doing great. You're doing awesome, and God's blessing you. God's using you. But he said, you're not there yet. You haven't arrived. You have some growing. And he, and he says, you, you need to grow. Remember, we said there were no excuses. How many of you were here, right? No excuses. And remember, how many of you remember uh, what we do when people make excuses? Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> That's right. No excuses. And so I've heard that people are doing that. Greg just said he got wad just the other day. You know, so the whole church, they're like, what would Pastor Joe say? Wah! So I can't even complain. Here I was complaining about still being in a suitcase. I was just waiting for everyone to go, Wah! I can't make any excuses around here ever again. You know, I'm in big trouble. And so no excuses. We should be growing. We should be changing. But notice here at this church, there's going to be some things that he, he, he says to them. Just as a kind of an introduction to this brief passage, he says this. He says, encourage each other in verse 11 and build each other up just as you already are doing. Let me just emphasize something, that it takes a long time to build something, to build. I think there's probably some engineers here, people who are in the building and construction. You know, it takes years to build something up. You know, church, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me say that many a times we don't realize the power of our words. Solomon says that we have the power to, to bring life or to bring death. That we can build up or we can tear down. I remember years ago uh, when I was uh, pastoring and we would take some trips and maybe someday we can do this in the future is we go to um, Israel. And I'm telling you, it's an awesome experience, awesome trip. And I remember I uh, had gone for my first time when we went. I remember they were digging out and building this foundation for this high, like basically like a, a large, huge hotel, you know. 
you know, going to be probably 50, 60 stories or something. And they were building it. And I remember they were digging this deep, deep, deep hole. And I remember walking by and I couldn't believe how deep it was. And they were going to build that foundation, you know, build that building. And I remember they were building and building on it. And, uh, and I, you know, we came back home. And then I remember we went back to that same area, same location in Jerusalem. We went back to Jerusalem. Here, it would have been like at least three years, four years later, I went back. And you want to know something? They were still building that same building. I mean, they were still building. Now, it was a lot taller, a lot higher, but they weren't finished yet. And you know, what really was amazing to me is how long it took to build that structure. But have you ever watched on television or ever seen how quickly they can demolish it? Have you, how many of you have ever seen something like that? Where they'll just put in a bunch of dynamite and there'll just be this huge, huge structure, this huge building. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of morbid because I kind of like watching it. It's pretty amazing, you know. And all of a sudden they'll put in, you know, the explosive devices and then there'll be this big countdown. And all of a sudden, you know, they'll count down three, two, one. And then they'll push the little button and, and this big class and it's just gone. It's just gone. Do you want to know something? It takes a long time to build people up. But if we're not careful, one word can do a tremendous amount of damage. Are you with me this morning? To guard our words. And so he says, hey, I know you're building each other up and keep doing it. But Paul then says that there's some some things he wants to talk about to this church. At the very end of this letter, he gives them some instruction. For example, as he gives this instruction, he, he tells them how to treat one another and how to get along with one another. And in the passage, he says, don't retaliate evil for evil and make sure that you get along and care for one another. Now, I'm going to make a statement. You're not going to believe this. Can you handle it? There is no perfect church. Everybody, ready? Count three, go. (gasps) Ready? One, two, three. (gasps) You didn't know this. Now, I'm going to make another statement. You ready? Hang on to your seat. There's no perfect church. Now, listen, you ready? There is no perfect pastor. One, two, three. Now, listen, I'm going to say this, okay? There's one that's pretty close, pretty close to being perfect. Not going to name any names. Just saying, no. (laughs) There is no perfect pastor. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect home. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect family. Oh, my goodness. Get around my family for about a day. Oh, my. Woo. Man, I can't even put up with my family, you know? You think I'm joking? I'm being serious. <laughs> and if you were honest, you would admit to it, right? There's time, there's conflict, there's personality. There's, and Paul says that there's this going on within the church. There is no perfect church. In fact, listen to what, uh, a passage in Matthew 18. This is what really is amazing to me. In Matthew chapter 18, look at 15 through 17. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. 
If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. And then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. You say, well, why are you reading this passage? What does this have to do with anything? Follow me here. In Matthew chapter 16, let me tell you something. Matthew 16 was the first time that Jesus ever mentioned the word church. He says, Peter, upon your profession of faith, you are Peter, and upon your profession of faith, I will build my church. First time the word church is ever used. He says, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a whole other sermon. I love that passage. But he says, this is the church, and I'm going to begin to build this church. Now, follow me now. Two chapters later, Matthew 18, the second time the word church is ever used, and follow me now, do not miss this, the first instruction God gave to the church, you know what it is? Go preach the gospel. Nope. Be a light to the darkness. Nope. Nope. Wrong. I know what it was. It was, you know, How to win people for Christ. No. What is the very first instruction? And then Jesus says, let me give you the first instruction to the church. Are you with me? Who's tracking with me this morning? What was his first instruction? How to take care of conflict and get along with one another. Isn't that powerful? It's amazing. It's amazing. But Pastor Joe, we thought that we had you fooled and that we were the perfect church. Listen, Jesus, his very first instruction was how to deal with conflict and how to get along. Are you with me this morning? Paul writes to this church in Thessalonica and he says, you're a great church. You're a model church. You're a thriving church. You're doing great things. But hey, you need to work at getting along with one another. You see, understand what Jesus knew is this. It was that there was the attack from without. And he talked about about the gates of hell. But listen, the enemy likes to work from within more than ever, right? That's how he works. And so there is no perfect church. Reminds me of the man who uh, was shipwrecked. He was out, you know, on his yacht. And a long story short, terrible storm comes and he ends up destitute on an island. And while on that island, he spent quite a bit of time. And he was living on this island. And he was all alone. And, uh, you know, he made his little hut and was staying there. Thank goodness there was enough to sustain life. Barely, but there was a little bit of, you know, rainwater would come and he'd gather it. And he had a little bit of some food there, you know, some coconuts and things. And he survived for a while. And finally a rescue party came and rescued him. And uh, when they sent out the little boat from the ship to pick him up, a few guys uh, were there and they, they saw his little fire and they, they rescued him and they got him and they put him on, on the boat. And they said, well, well, where are the others? Is there any others? And he said, no, there's no others. They said, there's no others. You're the only one. You're the only person here. Yes, I'm the only person here in this island. They said, well, well if that's the case, we notice that there are three huts there. If there's three huts there, why do you need three huts if you're the only one? He says, well, well, that's simple. That, the one there in the middle, that's the hut I live in. He said, oh, okay, well, makes sense. 
And they said, well, what's that hut there on the right? The one on the right, what's that? He says, well, that's my church. I'm a Christian. That's the church I go to. And they said, oh, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. And they just couldn't help it. And they said, well, what's that third hut over there on the left, the one on the left side? He says, oh, well, that's the church I used to go to. (laughs) There is no perfect church. Amen. So Paul gives some instruction. Notice very quickly some bullet points. In verse number 12, the instruction he says is this, to honor and respect the spiritual authority and leadership. Of all the verses to have to preach my first Sunday here with boots on the ground, so to speak, is this verse. But you want to know something? God is sovereign. It says this, dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect or reverence and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Let me say this. um, I believe that respect is a two-way street. It's something that's earned. Are you with me? Um, As a pastor, in expounding on this passage, let me say this. I will work hard to earn your trust and your respect. You know, a lot of times pastors will come in and immediately they basically get up and they start demanding, you better, I'm the guy in charge. I'm the boss. You, you, there's times I would do marriage counseling and you're sitting down and, you know, he said, well, I'm, I'm the head of the home. I'm in charge. And I'm like, well, who are you trying to convince then? Because... I think you're trying to convince yourself because obviously you are not. (laughs) But I will say I'll do my best to work hard to earn that respect and trust. But at the same time, the Bible does clearly say here that God has given us spiritual leaders and people to help us and to guide us and to lead us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13. Paul says this in verse 7, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. He says this, strong words. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Understand that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and he does bring spiritual leaders. He brings pastors and teachers and elders to help guide us and to lead us. And our job is to watch out for your souls. We are shepherds watching out for your souls, praying for you. My desires get to know each of you, to know you by name, and to be able to pray for you as we watch out for one another and watch out for your souls. But he says, listen, make sure that you are in submission and obedience and and, and understand that God does give pastors vision and direction and he guides and leads them. And it is our responsibility as a church body, as a whole, to follow Christ first and foremost. Amen. And to follow as he guides and leads. 
And so as I said, I will work hard to earn your respect and trust. But make sure we understand that Paul says to his church, hey, make sure that you give those in spiritual leadership the reverence and respect that they need. But then he says in verse the next passage, notice this. He says, warn those that are lazy. Those who are idle. He says, warn those who are lazy. Uh, in some versions say that are disruptive and divisive. He says, warn them. You know, there are times where we, as a pastor, but also within church, that we have to warn people. Paul says to reprove, rebuke, to exhort. You know, there's going to be times you're like, well, Pastor Joe, he's funny. (laughs) We just love it. There's going to be times you're going to walk out of here like, oh, my goodness, I'm hurting. He stepped on my toes. Can Can I just say this? If I stepped on your toes... Can I say something to you? That's not what I was aiming for. I was aiming for your heart, you know? I missed the mark. I mean, if you're, I like to, I sometimes archery hunt and deer hunt. If I'm hitting them at the toes, that's not a good spot. You know, the point I'm trying to make is when we teach and preach the word, it's sometimes going to be convicting. It's going to make us uncomfortable. And yes, I love to laugh. And I love to joke and have fun and humor. And sometimes people would say, Pastor Joe, when I was walking out, I was laughing, but I'm bleeding at the same time. It's like, where did that come from? You know, well, praise the Lord. Maybe that's a good way of doing it. But the point is this. Paul says sometimes you have to warn. You have to warn people. He says, warn those that are idle and disruptive, those who are causing division within the church, which tells me that obviously there was a struggle within this church, that there were not a perfect church, and that there was conflict. And there were even those, we'll see here in a moment, that in the church were not serving and working. Look, listen to what he says in his second letter that he writes. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10-14. Listen to these words. This is the same church that he writes a letter to later. Listen to what he says. He says, even while we were with you, verse number 10, he says, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. That sounds pretty strong, doesn't it? Ooh, that's pretty harsh. But it was the truth. Can I just throw something out here? It says those unwilling to work. You know, sometimes people are very hard and judgmental on people who are not able to work. Did you get that? Sometimes there are those who are not able to physically, mentally, emotionally, what have you. And many times, even among Christians, sometimes people are very harsh and very hard on those not able to. There's a great difference between someone who's not able to work and someone who's not willing to work. Are we getting this? Does that make sense? It's a big difference. And so Paul stresses the difference between the two. He says there were some who were just not willing. They were idle. He says, listen to what he says. Here's this great church at Thessalonica. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, and here you go, and meddling in other people's business. See, it wasn't a perfect church. He says, we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus to settle down and to work and earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. He encourages the ones who are carrying the load. Keep carrying the load. Keep doing good. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them. Here's that warning. As you would a brother or sister. You see, Paul wasn't afraid to hold God's people accountable. 
we are called to hold one another accountable. Paul says, reprove, rebuke with all long suffering. Jesus said that as he was here and he ministered, he, he spoke with grace, but also with truth. He was pretty hard on the Pharisees, wasn't he? Man, he'd let them have it. He would tell them what, where they were at and what they needed. And so there are times where we must warn. Listen to what Paul then says. He says, encourage those that are timid or disheartened. He says, encourage those that are lacking courage. Those who have no hope. Those that are discouraged. Can I say this? When people come through these doors, we do not know what is going on in their lives. The weight that they're carrying. The struggles that they are going through. And one thing we have as a responsibility as a church family is to be there for one another, to encourage one another, to put in hope. You know the word courage comes, the, the root word is core, the word core. You know, and when you work out, you got to work out your core, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Core strength, right? And there's a lot to that. You know, a lot of people, it's like, dude, how much can you bench? It's like, why does everyone judge strength on how much you can bench? When, was, when are you ever going to lay on the ground and push something up? Unless you're underneath a car and it falls on top of you, then you're in bad shape, bro. Let me tell you, it's bad. Dude, how much can you bench? You know, well, years ago, they started realizing that that's not really real true strength, you know? And so then everyone started talking about doing core workouts. Dude, you got you to work your core, Right? Well, it is true. Work your core. That's where all your strength comes from, is from your core. But that word core, think about this coronary heart disease. Coronary is where we get the word core. Literally, is where we get the word heart. You want to know something? Paul said this. Encourage those who are disheartened. Or encourage those who feel as if there is no hope. That's not just the lost. Yeah, we have that responsibility. But can I say this? There are a lot of believers who are struggling. And there's a, listen to me, the devil beats us up. Am I right? And it gets rough out there. And it gets hard out there. And you have home and family. And you have, you know, you have finances. And you have all these things that are hitting you. And sometimes, listen, the devil just keeps throwing it at you. And can I tell you something? Paul says, listen, there's times you need to warn those you know, who are idle and those who are being disruptive and causing problems. He said, but listen, at the same time, encourage to build up one another. And put the word encourage literally means to put in Courage to put it in. And that is our responsibility is that, listen, we're here for one another. Amen. And as a community, we pray for one another. And when someone's struggling, when someone falls down, like Solomon says, that you're there to pick them up and to help them. We do not know as people walk through these doors in the weeks and months and years to come. We don't know what people may be carrying and what they may be going through the heartache and the struggles and the battles that they face. And understand this, we have the ability to speak life to them and to encourage them or to speak death. To tear them down. He says as well, he says, take care of the weak. And this ties into what we're speaking. He says, take care of the weak to help them spiritually, to help them physically, to help them emotionally. You know, oftentimes we think of those who are weak. 
Oftentimes we just think physically, but you know, maybe there are some who are spiritually weak. Maybe there are some who are emotionally struggling. He says, take care of them. Care for them. Watch over them. Help them. Encourage them. Help those who have no hope to have hope. I mean, that should be our desire as we come here. You know, even as the worship team's up here, when they sing, someone who walks through that door, maybe some of you even today, you're carrying a heavy load. And when you walk through that door and you hear the the worship team singing, what does it do? It's putting hope back in you. Amen? It's encouraging you. It's strengthening you. And when someone says, hey, how you doing? And they, they shake your hand or give you a hug, you know, that's what it's all about. That's what this church is all about, to give people hope. Because this world is not full of much hope. Are, are you with me? And to help those who are weak, to encourage them, to give them a helping hand, and to encourage them along. He says, take care of the weak. And then he goes on and he says, be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. You know what I found is oftentimes we expect, you know, what's taken us years, years and years of church and growth and then we have someone new come in or someone new. And I've seen this and I've seen this in a lot of churches, not saying here at Red Hills. But what happens is oftentimes we expect someone to be where we are, but it's taken us years to get there. Are you with me this morning? It's taken a lot of prayers and a lot of years and a lot of discipleship and patience and time. But many times you'd be surprised. I've been amazed over the years of pastoring that sometimes people who've come the farthest and who, I mean, when, you, when they first came to Christ, when they first started following Christ, they were so rough around the edges. And, I mean, there were times they were mean and nasty and cantankerous. And, like, I mean, they were just like, whoa. I mean, and to watch God transform them and change them. But when someone new came in, they expected them to be right where they were. You know, you're supposed to be like me. You're supposed to do what I do. It's like, whoa, slow down, be patient, give this person a little bit of time, you know. They just walk through the door, you know. They're a brand new follower of Christ. Be patient with them. But, you know, there have been times I've seen it happen. There were times where behind the scenes I would be working with people, discipling and praying for them and counseling them and helping them and trying to help them along. And all of a sudden, one other Christian would come along and just let them have it. And all the work and all the time and all the effort literally destroyed because someone with, with no patience would come in and let them have it. You've probably never seen that, but I have. He says, be patient with everyone. And then he says, don't retaliate with evil, but good. You know, break that cycle. Break that cycle. You know, the Bible says, Solomon says, go to the ant. He says, look at the ant and observe her ways. Look at nature. Look at creation and how creation works. And, you know, um, I don't know if you get them here because I'm so new, but um, I've lived in different places, you know, and where I've lived. Like when we were in Missouri, for some reason, where our house lived, uh, where we lived in our house, where we, our house was set, I remember I would be every morning for a good while, at least a good month, you could hear the geese flying over our house. How many of you ever seen the, the migration geese? Are they around here? Do they do that here? Okay, cool. They do that here. They do that in a lot of places, right? But for some reason, we were in Missouri. It was like we were right on their path, and you would hear them. In fact, we'd have our windows open in the fall, you know, the windows open, and you could hear their wings. They were all working, you know, simultaneous. You could hear their wings. You would hear them flapping. And then you would hear that obnoxious, ah, 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 ah
And you would hear that. And they would wake me up. I'm like, and it would be all hours. They were in the middle of the night. They would be flying over. In early morning, they'd be flying. But you could also hear their wings. They were literally, you could hear the lift off the wings. You would hear them like, here they come. Here they come. And all of a sudden, you'd start hearing them honking. You say, why are you bringing up geese? I think because they're really cool, you know. <laughs> and I just want to be irritating. But you'd hear those geese honking. And there's a point to it. Solomon says, go to the ant. Watch the ant. Learn from the ant. Can I say, Solomon didn't say this, but Pastor Joe says, look at the geese, watch the geese, and learn from the geese. They fly and they work together as a team. We all know this, that, that no one geese could ever make, one goose could make that trip. They have to work in harmony. They work together and they fly. As they fly, listen to me, if you watch the geese as they're flying, you know what happens is there'll be a, one that leads, and it's leading, the ones in the front. And then they will, they will rotate to the back. And the new one will move up to the front. And they can, they can fly for literally hundreds, thousands of miles, never stopping. They're literally, if you watch NASCAR, they're drafting off of one another. And as they're flying, they're creating lift. And it's called synergy. It's a scientific term. It's called synergy. And basically, we're much stronger, all of us together. And so they're flying. And as they fly, as one starts to get tired, they will rotate to the back. And then another will rotate the back, and they just keep taking turns. And the ones in the back, they've got it easy. They're like when I'm in the back of the boat, and everyone's rowing. And I'm just kind of... <laughs> you know, I, I did that. We went whitewater rafting, and, you know, it's like the one guy doesn't do his job, and the whole boat flips over, you know. But they get to go in the back and take it easy. You know that annoying honk, honk? You know what they really believe that is? It's literally the geese encouraging the guy at the front, keep going, keep going, keep going. There's a reason why. And they, they honk and they're encouraging. They're cheering one another on. Have you ever noticed that as you're flying in that V, there's always one line that's longer than the other? Do you know why that is? There's more geese in that line. That's why. You really thought you were going to get something really deep there. There's more geese in that line, obviously. But here's the other thing. That if one gets sick or one gets injured, something happens. You've, I've seen it. I've watched it. One or, if one leaves, one or two more will go with it and stay with it to protect it, to watch over it, to help it, to make sure that it's safe and it's okay. And then when, when ready, they will go then join with another flock of geese. They're encouraging one another. They're helping one another. They're helping the weak. Solomon says, learn from nature. Learn from, from what I've put in nature. Can I say this, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are here to encourage one another. Someone once said this, how sad it is, but the Christian army many times is the only army that shoots its wounded. We are to be here for one another. Amen? Amen. To help the weak, to encourage them. May I say, everyone is at different places and stages in their walk with God and in their relationship in the family of God. Are you with me this morning? And so we love one another. We're patient with one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. That's, that's what Red Hills is all about. Are you with me this morning? That we pray for one another, encourage one another, build each other up. And he says, take care of the weak. He says, and then be patient with everyone. 
He says, don't retaliate evil with evil, but with good. Break the cycle. I finish with, these, with this thought, and that is simply this. We are not perfect. I'm not a perfect pastor. This is not a perfect church. But we do serve a perfect heavenly Father. Amen? And a perfect Savior. And we keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ. People are going to disappoint you. Churches are going to disappoint you. Christians are going to disappoint you. Listen to these words and I'm done. You can always trust the Lord, but you can't always trust those who are trusting in the Lord. And you say, well, so what do I do about that? You know, I've been hurt or people hurt me. I've been, you know, the church is filled with nothing but hypocrites. Well, so is Walmart, but you still go there. (laughs) So is Costco and you still show up. The church is filled with this liars and selfish people and, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah, well, so is everything else, but you still go there too, you know. (laughs) On a serious note, we keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Amen? Keep our eyes on him. And understand that people are going to let you down, but we love one another. We forgive one another. We find ways to restore, amen, and allow the Holy Spirit to heal And as we do that, we then, listen to me, we glorify our Father in heaven. Isn't it interesting, the first words that Christ gives the instruction to the church was this, hey, learn how to deal with one another, amen? And if we learn how to deal with one another, then God will use us to reach this community. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen, God's people. May we put these things to practice. So my point is this, put up with me, amen? Be patient with me. And I'll do my best to be patient with you. Let's pray. Lord, we-